This is Kevin Riley from Fuss Marketing. Thanks for listening today. I am joined again by Micah Eberman, our creative director, and we just had an interesting topic we want to talk about today. Kendrick Lamar won the Pulitzer Prize yesterday. That's awesome. Um, this may, may seem like an odd topic for a uh, marketing agency podcast, but it just struck me as I was reading all the commentary on it yesterday as just not only is it great that he won um, and you know, it's the first rap hip-hop album, maybe even modern music uh, piece to be recognized um, that's not jazz or classical music, which in and of itself is great. Um, and I, you know, you can anticipate cultural shifts where, you know, kind of quote unquote new art starts to be more recognized um, with some of these historic, you know, prizes. Um, I think anybody probably could have foreseen something like that happening. But I think it's the it's the time period and the context and the moment of it happening now that that struck me most and listen we're in, we're not here to get into a social debate or a political debate mm-hmm. but we can't not acknowledge that it's <laughs> rampant <laughs> and happening and that it's all around us and you know the the separation of the news networks and you know whether you believe in fake news not fake news um, whether you're on the right left in the middle um, you know, we have seen the ability for social media to pull us apart. We have seen the ability for social media to pull us together. Um, but what we're talking about here is, is a piece of artwork that was acknowledged and awarded for a socially conscious message, um, in a genre that hasn't been recognized before. And so it feels like a moment Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, it started to get me thinking, yesterday um, and a little bit this morning about what does it mean? Um, what does it mean for society? What does it mean for you know, business? What does it mean for brands that are reaching out to consumers and trying to create emotional connectivity? And, um, you know, I'll begin by saying one, you know, I'm a fan of his. Uh, I had the opportunity to go see him here in Minneapolis uh, or at St. Paul uh, this past year and the show was amazing. Um, and while I was there, you know, and listening to the content at the same time, I'm looking around at all these really young kids that probably aren't hyper aware of what he's actually saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but you know, it's wrapped up in, in such great theater and the show's amazing and the lights are spectacular and he's awesome. And you know, this is not new news in art or music and you know, you're a musician, so you get this, right. it's, you know, there is a certain amount of theater that goes along with it, but it feels like we're on the precipice of potentially another wave of highly socially conscious art coming mm-hmm. to fruition. And I think that that's a derivative of just the times that we're living in. And there's one side of me that, that is excited about that. Right. And there's another side of me that's anxious to see what it looks like. And there's another side where I'm hopeful that it can bridge the gaps mm-hmm. and it can pull people together because they seem so divided in so many other other spaces. Right. Yeah, I you know, you brought this up a little bit earlier before we started recording and, uh, you know, we kind of surprised each other today uh, tackling a couple object uh, subjects. 
Um, I was saying, hey, I was thinking about talking about this. I was thinking about talking about this. And so it's you not were like much more business focused <laughs> than I was this morning. Yeah. Well, no, I think I, I really like the subject um, because, as you said, uh, being a musician myself, like the subject is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I'm sort of a product of my age and, you know, quote unquote generation, like the tail end of Gen X where I'm both kind of a cynic and an optimist. Yeah. You know, so from, uh, you know, just right now, it, it seems what like... What month were you born in? <laughs> February. Okay. So I'm also right. an Aquarius. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so look that up and, you know, whatever that means. Um, so, uh, you know, right now, to me, it feels like one of the biggest things we're dealing with is the idea of... of objective truth where every it's sort of the fake news thing that you're talking about or alternate facts you know alternative facts where everybody uh, well maybe not everybody maybe it's just me i don't know but i feel like there's this desire to have something to count on something you can lean your back against that sort of real truth yeah real authenticity and i think you know, that's one of the things that, you know, uh, people say, oh, that's a that's a hallmark of the millennials. They're looking for authentic, right. you know, whether that be how you source your products, who uh, you are, who you say you are. And, you know, companies that that tie into that and uphold their own truths like Patagonia uh, right. or what have you. Um, you know, there's something desirable about that where you can put trust in someone. You can put trust in a brand and a and, you know, people have always uh, badged themselves with the brands that they buy, that, right. you know, that they uh, seek to uh, aspire to, that they uh, identify with. And when it comes to social uh, political music, um, you know, since, you know, Woody Guthrie, since Bob Dylan and in, you know, maybe our days, our, our, our heydays, like bands like U2 and R.E.M. and yeah. and uh, but even uh, Public even, Enemy. Well, even country music. Country, you know? absolutely. I mean, the generations of you know socially relevant for their demographic, you know, music that changed the way people thought about the world. Yeah, Bob Marley. You know, every, yeah. everybody that like started with a message. Even somebody like Rage Against the Machine. You know, uh, so much of the time. It has that moment, right? You know, and it's reflected where in the in the music. Yeah, right. it's reflected in the music. It's reflected in sort of the do culture. Do you think it shows the up time. there first? Sorry to interrupt, but do you feel like the music? I always felt like the music was the crest of the wave. It was the thing that mo could most quickly come out. I, mm -hmm. from a artistic standpoint, um, you know, books typically take a long time to write and get mm -hmm. published. Um, movies take a long time to work through the process, even independence to get them filmed and uh, shot and filmed and edited and produced and get out to the masses. And all this is obviously being shortchanged now. I mean, you can do anything you want on a computer right. as quickly as you want, but then you can self-publish anything that you want. But to do it on a scale where it's important and and it gets to not and they're all important. Sorry, I don't right. mean to say that, but where it, where it can get to a broader audience, mm -hmm. um, it still takes a significant amount of time. Music seems to be the one where if there's a canary in the coal mine, no uh, police pun intended there, there's a, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that song can hit 
that album can hit really quickly and it starts to show kind of where things are going. And if you keep an eye on all the different genres, which kind of marry up to certain demographics and whether that's, you know, in uh, rap or hip hop, or if it's R and B or if it's in, you know, pop music or if it's in country um, or bluegrass, you start to see that, that come earlier. That's the mm-hmm. first wave. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Well, definitely. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, in these artistic circles, you know, it's just one of those expressions, you right. know, and it, it's that, that preparation, that thoughtfulness, certainly music, um, is very easily, uh, not only is it highly desirable, but, you know, it's, um, often that this kind of music and the artists we're talking about start from the underground, you know, they, they start from being independent and smaller. They're not necessarily packaged bleach or what have you, you know, they, uh, they come up, they form their grassroots, they get their message and suddenly it rides that crest, you know, it becomes to the, it comes to the forefront and it has that opportunity to reach mass markets. And inevitably, maybe this is the cynic side is it becomes Target and Walmart T-shirts, right? You know, uh, it the brands jump on it, and you see, uh, uh, was it Kendall Jenner and Pepsi and right. it, yeah. like the shenanigans well, there? I mean, this it's goes like, back to the I think the Who selling it was Coke or Pepsi back in the '60s, early '70s. Oh, you sure. Know? I mean, mm-hmm. they got labeled sellouts, and you know, I mean. Say what you want about the who, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, and they took it and and actually flipped it, and you know, were very, very did it very tongue in cheek, and you know, um, but I guess my point was that I, you know, if this is just one example, and it's one that inspired the conversation, it's not one that you know we need to delve into for hours and hours and hours on on his award, but it just feels like music is going to it's the thing that leads us or starts to lead the discussion a little bit because it's so fast because it's quick turning, whether you're underground or you've been a mainstream artist and you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of this starts to build in the underground, um, music scene, but, and will eventually become mainstream, but the idea that this is the first wave. And so I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what this inspires. Um, you know, and we've seen this before we've seen, waves of change come from music in the 60s and we've seen it in the 70s we saw some of it in the 80s uh, even wrapped up in dance music there was some really socially conscious music that came out then we certainly saw it with the grunge movement in the 90s mm-hmm. um, you know and I would say there's you know maybe a, I don't know God, the 2000s are so hard to wrap your head around yeah but this feels like another moment in time right and the idea of him winning the Pulitzer the idea that 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 was accepted as a, as a form of expression amongst that group mm-hmm. and um, rewarded feels like, okay, now we're, we're going to start to see even more of this. And it, that, it's not that it hasn't been happening. Uh, you know, it has, but what does that mean? And you, you already kind of started to allude to it, you know, inevitably brands who are already trying to think socially conscious, they're kind of there already, but the brands that aren't or the people that, have brands that could be more socially aware. I wonder where this is going to go. Well, you and know, it's, it's tough. And how do they make it real yeah. for the consumers? Yeah. It, and it's such a fine, absolutely fine line where, I don't know, is, is a brand doing socially conscious stuff just to sell, you know, just to, 
hey, I want to move some more units. The kids like you I know, think charitable companies. Let's do that. I think consumers sniff through that right away. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and get called out on it on social media immediately. There's, there's the disingenuous and, and the, the, the sincere. There's the, yes, we fit here. No, we don't. I, I, but I where does sincerity is, come from? If right. You're, if you're a corporation or a brand, how do you, if you feel like you should be a part of the conversation, if you have something to say from your brand, and I always think of brands as people, you know, what is their personification, their voice, how would they react in this situation? And I think it's a good exercise for anybody to go through um, as part of their strategy process. But if, you, if you're really in tune with that and you feel that there's something that is going on in the world that you should comment on, how do you do it in a way that doesn't come across as fake? Because you're going to have a brand stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. My opinion is always that it has to come from a, from a brutally honest place and it has to be a part of your story. And if you're, you know, fast food chain X just commenting on the news of the day and it doesn't tie back to your brand story specifically mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to you to you is not coming from a place of almost um, you know, hyper awareness, then it will fall flat. Oh, it absolutely. might not do any damage. It may, it might not, but it's, it's not going to be picked up and nobody's going to, nobody's going to feel connected to that, to that statement or that execution. But I also feel like it's becoming more important for brands to be aware and to be part of the social fabric. And I think it's, you know, these are just indicators that it's going to become more and more important every single day for people to understand themselves really well. And by themselves, I mean their brands, um, understand what their voice is in the market. Um, and to remain really, really true to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, this isn't exactly like social political as much, but just an example of that. And, uh, you know, maybe I should insert later when I can give uh, fully uh, thought out examples. But it just reminded me of uh, the death of Prince. Okay. And when uh, he passed, I happened to be working at a uh, uh, on the client side um, where we were uh, in the music industry. And, you know, it hit everybody incredibly hard at the office, uh, being huge music fans, being musicians, et cetera. We did a post, um, just very respectful, what have you, very simple. And uh, the, the people that were fans of ours on social media, like they felt it, they went for it, they you know commented, they took part in the conversation and paying right. respects, et cetera. And there was even brands like uh, uh, Corvette, yeah, you know, uh, hearkening back to the little red yeah. Corvette and everything, and and the ad, the baby, you're much too fast. It was like it was so you know, tastefully done and perfect. But yeah. then there were like, I don't know, it wasn't Oreos or something, but it was like uh, a brand that totally had nothing to do with Prince. Like it felt like bandwagoneering, you know? Right. Like just hop on so we can get some clicks. Yeah. And it may not have come from a bad place if you think about, you know, how many people he inspired and how many, mm-hmm. you know, fans he had across all different demographics. You know, somebody sitting at some company that really doesn't have anything to do with music or him or any, may just feel the need that they're emotionally connected to, to his music and therefore wanted to say something. But if it's not done in the right way, it can, it can fall flat. I think that's the danger. Yeah. Um, you know, as my father always says, sometimes there's things you just 
shouldn't say. <laughs> He's a smart man. Yeah, yeah, it can just fall flat, you know. And from the corporate perspective uh, or corporate side, like if you're gonna get invested, you gotta walk the walk, right? You know, um, you're judged as a company, as a brand, as an agency, what have you, by what you don't do just as much as what you do. Yeah. Sometimes silence doesn't hurt you, but there's also this, this interesting dynamic at play about taste and tone yeah. and, um, God, those are so hard to quantify. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, there's just countless stories of like, I just, I'll know it when I see it and when I see it, I'll know it and yeah. it's, and it will feel right and will resonate and it will be true. Um, and everybody's had that feeling. Sometimes it happens with art. Sometimes it happens in business. But the idea of when you really hit the mark. Um, and I think inevitably that comes from being really true and honest with yourself mm-hmm. and knowing your brand or your business or your own voice um, really, really well and having the confidence to to say it when you mean it. But it is really difficult. And it's exasperated by the fact that you know, a lot of the clients that we've worked for or work with, you know, there's constant changeover. And so what is right for one brand team or marketing team that's managing a business or a portfolio or a specific brand um, out in the marketplace might be different six months from then because mm-hmm. the person running it is different and then their taste and yep. their tone and their, yep. you know, so how do you create consistency um, for larger brands and even smaller brands, you mm-hmm. know, that are still finding their way. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm always a big believer of making sure that you're very rooted in, in a positioning statement and, you know, putting these words on paper actually matter um, because it's not typically a real person unless mm-hmm. you're dealing with some kind of, you know, celebrity or whatever that sure, sure. you're doing their quote unquote brand. But, you know, most of the time this is not a quote unquote living, breathing person but it has to play in the market like that in order to emotionally connect with consumers mm-hmm. um, and to have a conversation, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, some exercises like uh, we would do on the, the creative side uh, with different brands is, you know, when we're really identifying what is the personality of the brand, um, who would you see as personifying the brand? And this could be somebody like, an actor, a character, a, you know, musician, somebody, somebody that like everybody can kind of shorthand and understand and say, okay, their perceived values, their voice matches this voice. As close as it possibly can to somebody that you would recognize and know. Exactly. And if you can really embody that person, flesh it out, have your people understand what that is, would this person say this? Yeah. You know, would this person say that? Um, I, I think with a lot of smaller brands, uh, exactly what you said, how someone can move from brand to brand and, and you have different people, you know, at some of the smaller brands where people are there for years and years, ine- it inevitably becomes some aspect of the person in charge. It's an aspect of their personality. And oh, for so, sure. yeah. yeah, you're pretty much just looking to embody your boss. Yeah, or the founder or, or whoever. Found, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. It, it happens so often. And maybe and that you're might trying not be to wrong, spin though. it. No, absolutely not. Especially if you're putting um, a connection 
you know, a very visible connection between the brand and the founder, their values, their ideals when they started the company. I mean, we could do an hour long podcast of founders who have built up major corporations and then, you know, left, moved on to other things and the place just completely fell apart or or started to erode very quickly because they didn't have that personification model sitting in the corner office every day to go, that's what she or he should look like. That's what our brand mm-hmm. is. That's what the voice is. They, they're not modeling that behavior for, for the people that work for the company. And, right. you know, I mean, they can get lost really, really quickly if there's not a way to keep it sustainable mm-hmm. um, or sustained. Sorry. Do you, do you, well, you've been at some pretty big brands, yep. you know, um, and in- inevitably those companies uh, like uh, at Miller Coors, they had tons of different brands, mm-hmm. you know, many, many brands. And the brand managers inevitably like rotate amongst the different brands. Some might be there for years, some shorter, what have you. Do you find that the brand brands had a habit of taking on different voices based on who is running them? Yeah, the old joke is that you can you always know the new brand manager because the packaging changed. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, um, yeah, I mean, there's always little minor tweaks. People inevitably want to come in and put their stamp on something, right. um, especially if they've been promoted into a job on the client side. And I'm sure, you know, it happens on the agency side as well. But, um, yeah, the joke on the packaging thing is, is you know, it's a cliche because it's true. It's, mm-hmm. you know, what's the quickest way to try and move the needle, you know, and as we were talking about with songs earlier, like that's the one of the fastest things that you can do. Um but I think, you know, I've worked in a variety of different situations. Sometimes you come in and you have no idea what a brand stands for. You know, the packaging has been around for a while or maybe it's even new and maybe it doesn't even matter. But you just don't know where to begin the strategy or the plan for the year or you, you don't know what voice you're going to put out there and you don't know what programs you want to develop and you don't know what partnerships you want to attach yourself with or you, know, you just haven't done the work to mm-hmm. figure it out. And that's the point where usually you stop and say, okay, we got a lot of questions that we need to answer. And sometimes you're going to do it really fast. And sometimes you're going to take your time to do it wet long, you know, spend a long time figuring it out, but you end up coming back to kind of this blueprint of what is the positioning? What are the traits and values of the brand? What is the personification? What is the voice? How does that pull through to a theme an essence, whatever you want to call that? And then how are we going to communicate that out? What's the strategy? You know, mm-hmm. what what makes sense? What time periods of the year make sense for us to go out there and put ourselves in front of the market and right. have something to say? Um, and sometimes that's been written so many times and done so well over so many years that you're just kind of jumping into the slipstream and you're going to push and kind of prod a little bit on the corners, but it's so powerful and you know, it just has a self-fulfilling prophecy of just continuing. And, you know, those are great, really strong brands. And, you know, you think about, you know, a Miller Lite or a, or even a Coors Light or, you know, a Chevy car or Ford or um, Coke, you know, I mean, major brands, they just, they've been around for so long and have been so consistent that, you know, they may make some missteps here and there and they might change positioning over and the market may move underneath them, but inevitably, you know, there's a certain path that they, that they kind of 
almost pull themselves back into as a gravitational pull of, of the positioning. And then there's just some brands where you go, you can really do anything with this because nobody's paying attention to it. <laughs> and it's so small and there's a, such a great opportunity and right. you can kind of build it from scratch, even if it's not a startup. And, you know, they're both um, equally rewarding. It just, you know, depends on what you're dealing with. Right. And, and also there's, there's a little bit of back and forth, you know, that, that you can see in between the giving the message and then kind of receiving it back. So there's building the brand from the inside, but there's also this is the culture of the people that are embracing our brand. We're going to move with the culture a yes. bit and reflect their values. We're going to reflect their their needs and, and stances in order to have that sort of back and forth momentum. Right. You know, the, like a traditional... PBR, which is very much blue collar, working man kind of beer for years and years and years. Suddenly it sort of finds this hipster indie market, right. you know, gets embraced in a completely new way because of its roots. But now it's a new spin. So do you just hold on to the past? Do you um, acknowledge uh, the new people that are, are embracing your brand? and give them something to to connect with on a deeper level, more personal level? Or do you face, um, once again, jumping on that bandwagon and outmoding yourself? And it is such a a, a, a tightrope to walk. Right. It's like, um, you know, brands have to have to be a part of the time yet they also have to stick to some core principles. They have to be timeless at the same time. At the same, yeah, and ageless. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet at the same time, use, use that to their advantage. So, mm -hmm. you know, having been around for a long time adds a ton of credibility to a brand. At the same time, just relying on that one aspect of being in the market for a really long time can also be hugely detrimental because you'll seem out of step. And you know, kind of bookending the, the top part of the podcast, when, when you start to see these these nods to cultural shifts happen um, all around um, from all from all different demographics. When you start to see, you know, the debates rising on all different sides of these major issues, um, both social and political and economic, um, you have to think deeply about what role your brand is going to play in that. And sometimes there's a safer route to play in these times. But you also have to keep up with what you, what is socially relevant, mm -hmm. and you know we've talked a lot about um, brands like Tom's and and other socially relevant brands where that really is the core positioning, uh, and they've done very well doing that because it comes from an honest place. Um, you know, being able to evolve as a major brand or a small brand to fit the times that you're in is, you know, absolutely the the mark of success. You mm -hmm. have to be able to do that. Well, in at the core of, to me, the core of what we've sort of where we started with the the moment and how that relates to brands to to everything that we've discussed, uh, it comes to a core of know who you are. Yep. You yep. know, um, to me, uh, I, I is rewarded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, having spent you know nearly twenty years uh, on the agency side, uh, from my perspective. Um, some of the most value that I've seen come out of both brands and in the, the people that work on them alike is when you have a truly clear 
truly, truly clear position on this is us. This is what we do. Like, uh, you know, to quote Marty Neumeyer, um, uh, it, love his books, by the way, Brand Gap, Zag, Designful Company, um, that onlyness statement. We are the only ones who do this for these people like this, you know, um, understanding your mission, vision, values. And I don't care if you're a small business, if you are an agency, if you are a brand, you know, everyone in essence is a brand. If you're just a dude waking up in the morning, going, yeah, know who you are, you know, get a consultant to come do a mission, vision, values project with you statement to, to get out of the driveway in the yeah, but put it up in the fridge, read it, make sure you know. Cause but like, isn't that, that's the idea, the nature of attractiveness, isn't it? The most attractive people, the people that other, that have that kind of gravitational pull uh, are people that are so rooted in who they are and present yes. honesty um, all the time. It doesn't mean they're, they're telling you your life, their life story every single day. It just means that you can, you can feel it. They, mm-hmm. they have this sense of, of gravitas or whatever term you want to use. And, you know, I think brands are very similar to that. Oh and, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a long winding road from uh, Kendrick to um, <laughs> <laughs> the way brands present themselves. Right. I just found it so inspiring and I just, uh, it just got me thinking more deeply about where we're headed and what role that might play for for not only socially what's going to happen in this country, but you know what's going to happen and how that will be reflected in, in business and specifically consumer-facing brands. Because if you're not keeping track of what's happening in the world, um, and whether you agree, disagree, um, you're going to find yourself out of step. And right. I think that's, the, that's maybe the, the moral of the story is Keep up on Twitter, folks. Like, read the news. You know, subscribe to multiple, multiple different podcasts. You know, like listen to what's going on out there. If you're running a brand, um, you know, it's it's hard. You got to pick your head up mm-hmm. and, and pay attention to what's happening, and maybe take a take a breath and think about what that might mean and and what role your brand or your business is going to play. Um, you know, stay on top of it. Stay on top of it, folks. Yeah. If you if you ever want to see somebody who knows who they are. Uh, look at Red Bull. I had the opportunity to work on Red Bull for a while and uh, having gone to the HQ and went inside, no one knows who they are like like this company does. Every single person knows what they care about. What's their mission? What do they do? What do they not do? They know the brand. They know the personality. And so anyone, whether they're doing the social media and presenting a post on the news of the day, to the person higher, you know, up, up at the top, to the agencies that work on it, they know the brand inside out. So if you don't feel clear on where you're going, if you can't see the road, you know, for the next hundred miles and at least know the direction you're heading in, if you don't know what you care about and what you don't care about, you need to do this. You need to figure out your brand immediately do the work do the work (laughs) that's it do the work don't just like get by do the work and your work your sales your employees everyone will benefit from it i think that's a good place yeah that's good congratulations to kendrick lamar all right have a great day folks see ya thank you